0: Welcome to Media at Risk, a podcast from the Center for Media at Risk at the Annenberg School for Communication at the University of Pennsylvania. In this episode, we're trying out a new format. We're calling it an acoustic panel. Doctoral candidate Megan Genovese sent questions to leading voices in the ongoing debates around diversity in the entertainment industries. Each respondent sent in a recording of their responses, and we've edited them together to make up a virtual panel. The result is a lively, if simulated discussion, touching on the industry, its guilds and unions, and representation, both on screen and off. Hope you enjoy. Hello,
1: and welcome to Media at Risk. I'm Megan Genovese, a doctoral candidate and member of the Center for Media at Risk Steering Committee. Today, the topic is Hollywood. I'll be asking our expert panelists about the state of the American entertainment industry in light of the 70th annual Primetime Emmy Awards and a year of the Me Too and Time's Up movements.
2: Hi, I am Marjorie David. I'm a television writer and producer, and I'm also the vice president of the Writers Guild of America West and I never do social media. Hi, my name is Maureen Ryan, also known as Mo Ryan, and I'm a
3: journalist and critic and writer. Most recently, I was the chief television critic at Variety, and now I am freelance.
4: Hi guys, I'm Joelle Monique. I'm a pop culture critic. I write for Pajiba, uh, Polygon, the Mary Sue, and a bunch of other places. I hope you enjoy.
1: televised Emmys show the presentation of awards for some programming, acting, directing, and writing categories, but the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences gives out more awards in those categories, as well as dozens in casting, costumes, lighting design, hair and makeup, music, editing, special effects, and other technical categories, in a separate ceremony. How does this structure of awarding popular shows and stars on the broadcast and putting everyone else who works in television off-screen reflect or impact the way we think about the value of different kinds of labor in this industry? How could awards granting bodies and award shows contribute to projects like Time's Up and promote equity of pay and treatment, job security, and equal opportunity across the industry?
2: the Emmys are a television show of general interest but the award itself has more meaning within the industry than it does outside of it. You find when you're voting on these things, as I have done
3: with a number of different groups, you find that the makeup of the group doing the voting influences very heavily who wins and sometimes, you know, that can lead to a kind of -of middle-of-the-road effect where the thing that people can agree on wins as opposed to the thing that may be the most artistically challenging and relevant and good. I just think that all awards-giving bodies, including the Television Academy, need to think about who's giving out the awards and how that consensus is reached.
4: Matt Damon famously said that diversity behind the camera doesn't matter so long as it's diverse in front of the camera. And while I wholeheartedly disagree with that statement, I would think that that is the prevalent thinking of most people outside of the industry. I do believe that if we used award shows as an opportunity to highlight the craft of film and television making, that it might sway public opinion. You know, they don't know that we have all these black female editors suddenly popping up for major motion pictures because they don't get a spotlight. It's a thing that has to make money by getting
2: advertisers on board. And you don't really get advertisers on board to watch a show where a lot of awards are given out where people don't actually know what they're for. It might be mildly educational, but I don't think it changes anybody's life for the television viewing public to know more about them. In an odd way, there have been moves to eliminate the writing category, and I have a feeling that those moves have been thwarted because, one, television is a writer's medium and writers originate and run it. And two, because showrunners who are writers are moving up to the front. And so I don't really think the Academy's importance in terms of making progress in the world in any way is of tremendous value or importance. It is good as a face of everything, but I I don't know that it has anything to do with promoting Time's Up. It looks good when everybody shows up in black. I think the real work is down in the trenches, changing the culture, changing the power structure, stuff like that. Uh, The award shows are just icing on the cake and nobody's really eating that particular cake. They watch clips of it.
3: (laughs) It's hard, honestly, for me to advocate for more awards being given in the main ceremony because quite often the Emmy ceremony is too long, (laughs) but they should definitely continue to, uh, give recognition and notice to people who are production designers and clothing, you know, uh, costume designers and all those technical categories, And in a way, um, if the march of people in those categories across the stage is uh, mostly white people and or white men, in a way that kind of serves as a little bit of a reminder that we still have some work to do. Because I think one of the biggest problems in Hollywood is that there is attention being paid to who gets cast and things. and The numbers are counted for producers and writers and directors. What's really largely flown under the radar is the other guilds um,
4: and how homogenous they often are. And that's a problem as well. I'm not sure if award shows are comfortable taking political stances. Obviously, uh, you want to seem an impartial voting body. However, it would be lovely if, like many stars who win, take an opportunity to step up on their soapbox because they know they'll have the ears of people across the globe. If, as an industry awards body, you know, they said, we're working diligently to make our staff 50-50. 50% 50 women, 50% men. If they, you know, gave space to Time's Up to talk about the numbers, specifically when we take out the idea that, oh, it's the entertainment industry that isn't diverse, and we start comparing it to other industries. Our numbers are just abysmal. And it would be great if the Emmys took a moment to say, hey, you know, we've looked around at other industries, and our industry isn't doing well, and we would like to be the forefront leader and starting to correct that change.
1: Hollywood has a number of well-established unions for workers both on and off-screen. But the uncertainty of finding sufficient work in the entertainment industry, especially for people of color, recently made national news after the actor Jeffrey Owens was photographed working in a Trader Joe's. Unions also have not protected women pushed out of the industry for gaining weight, aging, or resisting sexual harassment and abuse. What can unions do to better protect their members from discriminatory hiring, firing, and blacklisting practices? What other organizations and structures could help prevent and address abuses between individuals and between workers and their corporate employers in Hollywood? What role should unions and professional organizations like the Television Academy play in driving change and inclusivity in the industry?
2: Well, unions are the thing that I know the most about, and you ask what unions can do to better protect their members from discriminatory hiring, firing, and blacklisting practices. First of all, it's important to realize that unions don't hire anyone. They protect the interests of, it, of their members, and we've had a change in emphasis in the past few years, at least in the Writers Guild, and I believe in the others, Directors Guild especially, changing ourselves in the past Few years so that we do start looking out for the interests of our members who are in protected groups, who are people of different genders. We've done that by having programs. Well, there are three, there's a three pronged effort in terms of first gender bullying and gender discrimination. Um, The union itself is putting together programs and right now has begun having a series of workshops where writers who find themselves working with either other writers, because we have a high percentage of lower level writers and assistants who are harassed by their superiors, as you've probably seen in the news. Uh, But it's for writers to deal with difficult situations in the workplace, how to confront gender bullying, what to do if you're a bystander. And we will in the future also try to include in our showrunner training ways to manage people so that gender bullying and gender discrimination start to go away. That's basically a quick way to talk about what is a culture change. The culture was, they're a bunch of guys, they pick the person they get along with best in the room, that's how they're gonna do a room, you know, and that's just how it's gonna be. We've made inroads in that as a union. And the other prong that we have to face is agents. We have to make sure that agents are doing their duty, not only in fiduciary matters, but also in terms of simply not sending clients to hotel rooms, but also putting forward clients who are not classified as diversity writers or woman writers, but writers.
3: I have a lot of thoughts about the Hollywood unions. I really do. And I've actually come to the conclusion that they are going to be one of the most effective Weapons that people fighting discrimination and low wages and harassment and abuse will be able to find. Because, you know, in my reporting, covering up for and enabling powerful people and their ability to make life hell for other people is really a thing that HR departments do in Hollywood all the time. It's not just me saying that, it's a lot of reporting. I think a lot about the whole Hollywood problem of all kinds of abuses of power. And I th- and, and you can go to the EEOC, they have a 2016 study about these very issues, what makes an industry or any industry ripe for abuse. And one of the biggest conditions of that they cite is massive power imbalances. You find that in Silicon Valley, you find it in Washington, DC, you find it in Hollywood. And actually, they don't bring this up in the EEOC report. You also find it in religious institutions. And so, I would actually say that Hollywood has a Catholic Church problem in that uh, abuse gets covered up, swept under the rug. More people get harmed, and if the transgressor, if transgressors, are pushed out of one place, they usually turn up in another. This is a real problem, and I think that the guilds need to make their members aware of resources the guilds might have to help members who are encountering difficulties and problems. They are obviously advocating for their members in terms of their income and health care. And those are really important. And those have really been job one for the unions for a long time. But if you're not advocating for the physical safety of your membership, then you're falling down on the job. Unions have to make a note of it every time a member of the union comes to them and says this person has been abusive or harassing or has been a problem in some way and if someone ends up on a guild's radar again and again I think that through an investigation that is judicious and well done and that the membership thinks is fair and agrees on in advance, I think that they should have the ability to pull someone's union
4: card and say you're no longer in this guild. In the same way that we've had sexual harassment videos in offices since the 80s talking about the correct behavior or the best way to behave in an office, and yet it's still a huge problem Because at the end of the day, a company's interest is in protecting itself. And the same way that the union needs to stand in order to protect other people, I think oftentimes instead of trying to protect the individual, they try to protect themselves. I think having more women, specifically minority women in positions of power, who are open and able to listen, who are not just one person of, you know, 20 at the top. We need a lot of people in leadership positions with diverse backgrounds, because otherwise you're alienated and you're targeted and you're a lone voice. And even if you are, quote unquote, in power, we've seen, you know, with plenty of female directors or showrunners, that their voices don't count as much as the men's, despite holding that title. So I think the more diversity we can get in unions, the more likely it is that victims will be heard, the more likely it is that they'll be able to do their job and protect the victims. It sort of flows
2: into the next question, but I just want to say the only way this place is really going to change is if there is more diversity in terms of power at the top.
1: One of the hosts of this year's Emmys, Michael Che, recently defended admitted sexual abuser Louis C.K.'s return to comedy without apologizing for or addressing his past behavior. The last woman to host the Emmys was Jane Lynch in 2011, which was only the sixth time in 70 years that women hosted without male co-hosts. How does this keep happening? Why is Hollywood still incapable of elevating women?
4: Well, men don't think women are funny. I won't say all men, but certainly enough men. And I honestly just think that there is... They won't see it as hate, but there's just this belief that men are more capable. They're less emotional. They are better writers, blah, 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 whatever. It's totally false, and it's going to keep happening because there are more men in power, and they can make the decisions. Hollywood is not incapable of elevating women. They are making a very solid choice, and I will continue to call out organizations that I see doing it. Michael Shea is not worried because Michael Shea is still getting paid because Michael Shea believes Michael Shea is right and because Michael Shea isn't going to lose any business opportunities for speaking out. He will lose some fans, but the controversy is only going to boost his profile. More people will know who Michael Shea is because he said something controversial. Will people like him, not like him? It won't really matter because we don't thrive in an industry of moral high ground we thrive in an industry of controversy and conversation i actively take a part in that aspect of the industry and i'm not quite sure how to make that better oh boy michael
3: che uh suddenly i have a migraine Yeah, I think it's a problem what Michael Che has said about Louis C.K. needing to earn a living. Well, first of all, Louis C.K. is set up for life. He doesn't need to earn anything. (laughs) He's very, very wealthy. If Louis C.K. wants to launch a subscription podcast or go make sidewalk art or beach sculptures, I don't really care. That's fine. But I do not think that he has earned his way back in, and I think that when Men like Michael Che say things like, oh, well, he should be able to go back and earn a living in this particular sphere that he sullied and harmed, honestly. I think that that's just a thing that people say that centers the abusers and not the people that were abused. I think job one should be, how do we prevent systems, institutions, formal and informal networks from enabling abusers to continue abusing, hurting, or Affecting negatively the people around them, that should be the question: What can I do in my community? How can I advocate for greater inclusion? How can I give a woman a slot at a or you know an equitable number of women and men slots at a stand up open mic? You know there are small ways it's these things actually come down to a lot of people people making small, medium, and large decisions, and the large decisions are the ones that might get the most notice like You know, executives at Netflix looking at the fact that they hadn't hired a woman, a black woman, to do a stand-up special. You know, they addressed that and they have hired some black women to do comedy specials for them. So that's a big thing, but there are many small things, day-to-day things, that people can do to make sure that they are giving space in their community to the people that were harmed. And helping form systems and networks, formal and informal, that, you know, help people
2: who've been harmed, abused, assaulted, or harassed. What's really going to a, make a change in Hollywood is having more women in power, more women as heads of studios, more women as heads of these stupid media companies, more women running shows, more women directing movies, more women, all of them, just change it, change it, change it. They're more racially diverse people now than there were before, but there's a long, long way to go.
3: Got to turn the focus around from this massive auteur theory of art, you know, where it's the single genius in the garret creating a TV show or crafting a film or directing a film and all that kind of stuff. All of these things are ratified and condoned or not ratified and not condoned by communities. Comedy is a community. The television industry is a community. The film industry is a community. Every, you know, profession is its own community in a way. And the people within that community decide what the norms are. And they can change.
1: Do this year's nominations show any substantive progress toward dismantling the industry's pervasive whiteness? Are organizing bodies like the Television Academy doing as much as they could to elevate non white performers and professionals? Had they played a role in obscuring vital social issues in Hollywood? What could they do differently to promote and reward the diversification of voices and perspectives in the industry?
3: the thing that's tough about the Emmys or the Oscars or anything like that is that you've got to bridge this almost unbridgeable gap between what will make the industry audience in the room laugh and make them feel like you're gently poking fun at them, but not being going too far. And then the people at home who have a different set of requirements and needs and don't care actually, if you're a little bit meaner, but then you lose the people in the room and you can get an icy reception. So it's, it's really tough. I don't discount that, but I think that the the Emmy hosting gig, it, this was just a fail this year. I mean, I haven't even seen the Emmys yet, but this was a poor choice for
4: hosts, and I think I'm not going to watch. I don't believe a nomination is an industry-wide indication of anything. To be nominated, you have to be exceptional, and any black, brown, minority, outsider, Muslim, however you are labeling yourself, that is not, you know white, male, straight, cisgendered, understands that you must be exceptional. You have to be so much better than everybody else. And I think what we're fighting is not for exceptional people to be seen. Exceptional people rise to the top. Frequently, they are seen. I'm fighting for the middle, it's insane to me that people believe that all writers who have jobs in the industry are just the best writers on the planet and the best people for the job got hired and everyone else is just going to have to deal. Meritocracy is not what we're running on. It's it's not even just who you know because I know enough brown people in this industry fighting to get underrepresented people in the room and it's not working. There are so many TV shows being produced right now by so many different networks. The fact that there are still only, you know, 4% women directing or, you know, 6% writing. The fact that we still have predominantly male writers rooms when women make up 51% of the population doesn't make sense. My hope for the future that things will
2: change, but when the power structure changes, it's really going to change. What the Academy can do, I don't know. I think it just follows along with what's there. And certainly they could make an affirmative effort to feature you know, more women
4: on the issue of women, but I, I think that ultimately they will. Should they be doing more? Absolutely. How can they do more, hire more people, continue to spread the word, highlight great upcoming talent would be another way. And when you make the blacklist, you know, which is a list created by Franklin Leonard, a black man who saw that there were a number of unproduced scripts that were so good that were of such quality that he couldn't believe they weren't being produced and so he made a list to highlight them. I think continuing to take action like that to say, hey, not only are we here, but here is stuff that you could be making money off of and keep shoving it in their face and keep reminding them that when they cast the right way, when they put people of color behind the scenes, when they make women's voice central, that they make money from Handmaid's Tale to Black Panther to Crazy Rich Asians the fast and furious franchise all these spaces incredibly rich and diverse stories we've never heard before or stories from specific people that we've never heard those stories before which of course it gives you a different inflection a different tonality we want something new we want something exciting diversity is the easiest way to get it
0: Marjorie David is a television writer and producer and the vice president of the Writers Guild of America West. Mo Ryan is a freelance journalist and television critic. And Joelle Monique is a cultural critic and writer for Pajiba, Polygon, Mary Sue, and other outlets. We'd like to thank the panelists as well as Emily Plowman, Waldo, head honcho at the ASC Media Lab, and Barbie Zelazer, director of the Center for Media at Risk. More information and a transcript of this episode can be found at www.ascmediarisk.org. Thanks.